Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Greetings and welcome to Political Pursuits. Today, we're kind of a panel, although it's just Con Tatum and I, but delighted to have Con here with me. And we've both been just kind of raring to go here lately because we got so much to talk about. Well, you just can't cover all the bases, but, uh, and one thing we can't afford to do, we can't get lost in the fog. We have got to concentrate on what is happening in our country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is a lot happening. And in fact, um, we're going to get into to more of that. But one thing that just has recently happened, which you'll be hearing a lot about on the news here in Texas, is that just earlier today, Governor Greg Abbott has announced that he is pausing our reopening plan due to coronavirus cases increasing. And he says the last thing we want to do as a state is to go backwards and close down businesses. But this temporary pause will help our state corral, oh, our state corral the spread until we can safely enter the next phase of opening our state for business. Well, and if we're not careful, we will overreact, close down all the businesses. And what's worse, uh, having a coronavirus uh, epidemic or total economic breakdown of our society. Right. Which, you know, which yes. would you rather have? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, and the choice is one or the other. And so, and that's what, too, I think is so important for us here in Texas to keep in mind that, yeah, yeah there's probably some wisdom in doing this, but the other side is it's important to understand these numbers. And just because we're doing this doesn't mean that the sky is falling and things are horrible. Yes, we are having new cases found, but if you compare that against the death rates, our death rates are going down. So you're finding these new cases in part because there are new cases, but you're also finding these new cases because we're testing a lot. But as all of this is going on, the death rate is actually, it's been going down. And um, in fact, uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation says the reality is that Texas fatality rate per active case has declined to about a third of where it was six weeks ago and is the second lowest in the U.S. So despite these frightening numbers, the state remains one of the better success stories in avoiding the worst effects of the outbreak. So we need not live in fear. and We can responsibly return to our lives and livelihoods. But the other thing, too, is that 
you need to be watching the hospitalizations and here locally. I read the numbers every morning. They're on the front page of our paper. I see that these cases are going up and that is, you know, it's, it's, it catches your eye and it's something to be aware of. But I also keep watching the number of hospitalizations and the number of ICU admissions. And that number for us, you know, even when we're having hundreds of new cases in a day, our total hospitalizations, I think, is now up to 87 or 89. But it was hovering in the mid-70s since two, it's, three weeks. Yeah, and, okay, I, I was just saying, we have to be careful that we don't uh, create a cure that is worse than a disease. And who is capable of doing that is our politicians. Uh, sometimes they'll do something, pass some feel-good legislation, uh, not realizing that uh, they're creating a bigger problem than we had to start with. And that worries me because we have politicians that are very, very capable of doing just that. And usurping our freedoms. You and I were just talking before we, we started recording here, we were just talking about the fact that we're now getting some mandates from local governments about wearing masks. I have mixed emotions on it. And it's like I told somebody last night on Facebook. I don't really have a problem wearing a mask, but I want to do it because it makes sense for me, not because of my government telling me or telling, dictating to me that I had to do that. I've had an issue for the last seven months. My autoimmune system is probably more compromised right now than it's ever been in my life. So I am wearing a mask around more, but it's not because our county judge is telling me that I need to wear a mask. You are more adverse to that. Well, I'm, and I don't, I, you know, and I see that point very clearly. You know, we all need to exercise our free agency, which is the freedom to make a choice. Now, you can choose to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, but the problem I have is when the government tells you that you have to wear a mask, uh, the Texas Supreme Court, uh, according to my son, he has researched this, the Texas Supreme Court has ruled two different times that they cannot force you to wear a mask uh, and there's several reasons for that now another problem I have is when any government official says well we're going to fine you a thousand dollars if you're not wearing a mask okay have have they ever read the uh, uh, freedoms that we have in this country the amendments to the Constitution one of which is we're guaranteed the right to live free of excessive fines and bails now, you're telling me they're going to fine you $1,000 for not wearing a mask? How do you justify that with excessive fines and bails prohibition? And it's funny that you bring that up because as I was preparing for this today, a, a blog post from Empower Texas caught my eye, and um, they are reporting that the city of Austin is encouraging businesses to call 911 on customers who refuse to wear face masks. Yeah. As if the police today in, in Austin, which has been one of the hot spots for the protests and things we've had going on, the homeless people down there, the police don't have enough. Now they're getting 911 calls on customers refusing to wear face masks. And that uh, Mayor Steve Adler, Democrat lib, that well, he is, he's enacted a decree ordering all businesses, including retail, offices, and apartments, 
to require everyone inside over six years to wear a mask. He also, quote, encourages restaurants to keep an activity log of all customers, collecting their contact information and tracking where they go in the building. Well, and think about the fact that uh, when the business calls the policeman, he comes out and tries to give you a $1,000 ticket for not wearing a, a face mask. Uh, is that creating goodwill for our police officers? No. It's creating more hatred for our police officers. So do we want to make people hate policemen worse than they already do? Why? And it's also going to be one of those things. The city wants the money from this, without a yeah. doubt. They want the money from this. And they're going to do just like this. I love it. Adam Carolla talks about out in um, L.A., out toward Burbank, where he lives. And he talks about a particular stretch of the road, and I know exactly where he's talking about, that there's homeless people out there, there's people that are selling flowers and doing all sorts of illicit activity. But he said the police sit out there, and they're waiting for people who are coming in from Hollywood, going into Burbank, driving nice cars, and this road it's just really kind of like one of those oddly nice roads out in L.A. that you don't find real often. And it is one of those places that you would kind of want to just let your car go. And they're sitting out there using that as a speed trap so that they can stop people who drive nice cars and issue them big expensive tickets because they know those are the people that have the means to pay it. And they'll let the drug selling and everything else that's going on over their 50 feet They'll let it go. You mean you think the ticket to a BMW driver might be more money than the ticket to a 1965 Chevrolet pickup driver? And and <laughs> yes, yes, and and the default rate would probably be considerably different. <laughs> but yeah, for down here in Austin, the city can fine you a thousand dollars per day, and if you do not track customers, Austin Public Health can ooh, listen to this little blacklisting action. The Austin Public Health can publicly release without limitation and at its discretion the name of your business if they deem it a place of coronavirus infection. It's a blacklist of disobedient businesses. Doesn't that sound kind of like what they do in uh, just a little bit like, uh, what, Red China, uh, Venezuela, uh Moscow, other places, you know, Iran. There is uh, a reason they call it the People's Republic of Austin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but I keep asking the question, what road are we traveling? What is the destination of this road? As these kinds of idiotic decisions increase, where are we headed with this? Uh, are we trying to uh, induce a revolution, a civil war? What 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 is our objective here? And it's important to keep an eye on the timeline, on the calendar. A month ago, who would have dreamed? In fact, I think it was May 25th that George Floyd was murdered. And here we are at June 25th. Look at the difference in these weeks they've made. And look at the capitulation that's taken place. Well, and, and look at the murder, if you will, of, of George Floyd. That was terrible. It was awful. Uh, I don't agree with it. I, I would prosecute that officer to the full extent of the law. But is his one death, does that warrant burning down America? 
you know, the, people get killed all the time. Right. Uh, and I'm not justifying the murder of George Floyd, but I'm just saying that is not a reason to destroy the Judeo-Christian society that we live in called the Republic of the United States of America. And even his family has come out and said, I think it's a brother he has who, who speaks very, very measured making a lot of good points and he's you know basically kind of been like don't don't do this on our account y'all we want justice over here but no they don't want to see this happen see it's it's not a reason to destroy america it's an excuse to destroy america i would agree in america see there mm. are reasons to do things and there are excuses well this whole george floyd thing is an excuse and and what's the end result what do they want to accomplish with this movement that they've got? And is it, it? Do they just want to destroy America? Is that their end game? Is that where they want to go? And I think that there are pockets of different people in there. I think there are some people who absolutely believe the police were wrong in this case and something needs to happen, and too oftentimes perhaps some of these cases get swept under the rug I and and I think you see a degree of that of well-intentioned fair you know fair-minded people we may or may not agree with them but they have reasons for their points of view and oftentimes there's some legitimacy to that that they're out there we want our voices heard then I think you have the black lives matter type people the antifa type people and they are the ones that are using this as an excuse to further their agendas which indeed deals with a lot of violence, looting, intimidation, those type things. Then I think you have the, I will call them here because I really don't like using nice words toward them. I'll call them the hellraisers. I can have some other choice descriptions for them, who are opportunists, who are in there because, hot damn, we can go raid that liquor store. We can go get that athletic shoe department, steal well, a bunch of they're Nikes. They're overgrown juvenile delinquents is yes. what they are. yes. They're, yes. they're just a juvenile delinquent that's 25 years old. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so you have that. them, you know, and, and so you've got all these different factions of people that are all out there in the mix because I've even heard several reporters talk about how at some of these protest sites in the afternoons you will have people down there with their families and you can just watch the interaction of them. They're talking to their kids they're trying to help their children understand a political issue of which they think is importance and sig significance. And then as the sun starts going down, the whole tone of the crowd, who's down there, what they're up to, it just it changes. And it starts getting a lot more violent, a lot more militant. Well, and my question is, who is it encouraging this? You know, there's a there's something behind this. This is not just spontaneous reaction by some young people. This is being made to happen. So who is behind the making it happen? Uh, I have uh, read several uh, uh, explanations that uh, Red China has a big hand in this. Uh, who supports Antifa? Who uh, who buys their supplies, etc. Are any of these young people being paid to do what they do? Uh, for example, the pallets of bricks in the middle of the street in, in towns. Who bought the bricks? Right. You know, those bricks didn't just fly over there and light in the middle of the street. 
Well, and you go and land the cube of bricks someplace, you're not even doing that necessarily off a pickup truck. I mean, no. that, it takes a big old truck with a boom and... Yes, it was. Yeah. They, it, they were delivered there. Right. In a, like a two-ton truck with a hydraulic crane exactly. on it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, why does Drive by an Acme Brickyard sometime and you'll see those trucks out there and yeah. know what we're talking about. It, why doesn't somebody with the FBI, whoever, go look at the name on those bricks, go to the company that sells those bricks, now, you can't buy a pallet of bricks at the local 7-Eleven uh, store. There's very few places that sell pallets of bricks. Go find out where they came from, who bought them, who signed the ticket, and who gave them directions of where to deliver those bricks. Find out who those people are and put them in jail. It's the old phrase, follow the money. It is Exactly. It's what uh, the FBI used to do to drug pushers and mob uh, people, they followed the money and figured out who it was and arrested them. We could do the same thing in this situation, but the question arises, do they not want to know who's doing it? Do they not want to know who's behind all of this? Or do they uh, not want to expose them to the public know. for fear of Well, they don't want knows? to violate political correctness. Uh, I said a while ago, uh, before we got this started, I'm in mourning. I really am. I am in mourning. I'm losing a very, very dear friend to a very terminal disease. The very good friend that I am losing is a place called the United States of America. And the dis terminal disease that it has is called political correctness. And I see that disease destroying the patient, and the patient is the United States of America. And it's been a slow-progressing disease over a number of decades. We've seen it in, say, the last 30 or so years because... But it's in, in my, high gear in, now. <laughs> yes, in my adult lifetime, I can remember when political correctness became a thing, and it really was in, in the 90s, the early 90s, that it really, really started to become prominent. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah. Feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. And I was about 30 years old then. And yeah, and it was like, whoa, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. And, but we've seen it in education industry. We've seen it in media. We've seen it in our governmental institutions. We've seen it, I mean, with that in our courts. 
It's been so many different places, and it's gone largely unchallenged. The cancel culture really kind of came out of the colleges and universities when you would have more conservative-type professors who didn't, you know, toe the complete liberal line, and then when they were up for tenure, oh, no, we don't want that guy to have tenure. You know, in fact, we really don't even want him to have a job. And it's just grown and grown, and now... As you said before, you know, it's not this some slow progressing disease. We're in stage four acute trauma. Yeah, they've shifted over into overdrive. If you're a truck driver, it's you know it's about it is overdrive because it is coming on very very fast, and if it is not stopped very very fast, it will destroy the country. And you say, well, how do you stop it? There's an old old saying that there's nothing like making someone feel the pain to make them see the light well the blm movement and the whatever movement it is they're going to have to feel some pain before they stop you cannot continue to reward bad behavior and expect them to stop if you have a little kid laying on the floor kicking and screaming and hollering wanting a candy bar if you go get him a candy bar what do you expect him to do next you cannot reward bad behavior and expect to get anything except more bad behavior. Well, and that mayor out in Seattle's trying to act like, oh, we're clearing out that 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 chop, whatever they're calling it today down there. And there's still a lot of people down there, and there's still a lot of mayhem going on. And so she's giving it the lip service, but it's not really happening. Now, I saw an interview yesterday with Rudy Giuliani. And I will agree. I mean, I've always been kind of a fan of Giuliani's in a lot of ways. And I will agree with anyone, though, that during some of this impeachment and all this stuff, sometimes he gets on with different people and he gets a little, he looks a little out there here and there. Gets on a tear. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yesterday he was asked point blank. He said, if you had one of these Occupy type groups come in when you were mayor of New York and they took over six square blocks or whatever, what would have happened? And he said they would have gone and moved their barricades around once. He said, and then we would have gone in, we would have taken them down, and he said there wouldn't be new barricades back there or anywhere else. We would have taken care of it, and that activity would have stopped. What do you think Joe Apayo would have done? Yeah. Joel Pyle, and I think maybe uh, Trump needs to go hire him, uh, he would go out there in the desert and set up a 10-foot cyclone fence with an army tent in the middle of it, and those people would be residing in that yeah, army tent. Yeah, you guys, want, you guys want your space? Here you go. Oh, and here's your pink jumpsuits, and we're going to get you some frijoles and beans, you know, frijoles exactly. or something and some tortillas. No, we don't have organic, guys. <laughs> yeah, and see, if you don't do that, you're not going to stop this movement, and we have got to stop it, folks, because it's growing, it's getting worse, it's coming on faster, and we're teaching young people to disrespect this country and, and everything that makes it the greatest country in the history of the world. But let me give you this example here in Brooklyn. you probably heard this. They've been having some problems over there with people every night. They're, like, shooting off fireworks and stuff in the streets, and I think, and I'm not sure if it was in Brooklyn, Somewhere in that area, I think there was a firework that actually went through a window 
and hurt, if not worse, a little girl. But anyway, the residents in that area, and I mean, in Brooklyn's kind of seemed like it's been having a resurgence here of recent years. But anyway, residents are in despair over nightly fireworks noise, shootings, and killings as the police, under threat of prosecution or firing, have pulled back. On Monday evening, Borough President Eric Adams responded with a solution. He is going to empower community groups to discuss with residents the dangers of shooting aerial bombs at each other. <laughs> okay, I, I have a question, and I think I've talked about it before. I can remember back in the 60s when we had uh, the Game and Fish Commission in Texas had what they called free service game wardens. And in the state of Texas, we had free service Texas Rangers. Now, these were just civilians that went along with uh, game wardens, went along with Texas Rangers, whatever. Uh, and I hate to say this, but is it time to do something like that again? We're going to have to have civilians rise up and assist police departments or do but I, I don't know what the answer is but we have got to stop this movement uh it's going to destroy this country and and this is where i live well and we've been talking about this statue thing for years now started with the confederate statues and people way back in you know several years ago when we first started talking about this it was always it's a slippery slope it's a slippery slope well we've taken a couple of real big slides here yeah. recently yeah. because no longer is it just the confederates you know the confederate soldiers now it's all sorts of other stuff although they're even now pulling down statues of like ulysses s grant who basically helped win the war for the for the north well the slippery slope just got covered with ice yeah <laughs> and and you know i mean and one of the things too there was another one out in um, milwaukee that they destroyed a, a statue of colonel hans christian haig who was an immigrant from norway who died fighting for the union against slavery and this poor old guy they went took his statue they decapitated it they threw it in the nearby lake and the wisconsin historical society has this glowing account of what this man this man did and it's like these people don't even know who they're in there francis scott key what did francis scott key ever do to anybody well and you know you have to ask what kind of brain do these young people have what has infected their brain? Is it contagious? Uh, you know, is insanity contagious? I, I don't it's, know. But uh, it's I guess unfettered this, anger. But well, where does that anger come from? It's coming from our universities and our colleges, and that is really sick. We're paying college professors, some of them two hundred thousand a year, to do what? To destroy our children. I take a little exception there. It's not just colleges and universities. This is being peddled K through 12 yeah. just as much because some of these people never made it to college and right. they still, and so I don't let the K through 12 off the hook. I don't let the American Library and Association yeah. that peddles all of their, all of their, you know, pro every anti-American cause that comes along. But now we've got this Sean King who is, 
a Black Lives Matter activist. I don't know if he's a leader, a self-proclaimed leader or whatever, but they're talking about coming in there and shattering the stained glass windows of churches because and disfiguring sculptures of Jesus Christ because, you know, they made Jesus a white guy and all of the Marys are European-looking. Well, and they're saying that Jesus Christ was uh, a white supremacist. Now, I think the root of this stuff goes back to uh, Glenn Beck had a show once where he uh, discovered that the uh, the kids that uh, the Indian was beating the drum in front of Covington kids. Oh, right, right. Okay, the people that started that was not the kids and it was not the Indian drummer. It was a group called the Black Hebrews. And the Black Hebrews believe that Jesus Christ is coming back and he's black and he's going to instruct black people to kill all the white people. Uh, so is that part of this movement? Uh, I don't know, but uh, there's, there's a lot more behind this movement than we think. And uh, I keep repeating the same thing, but it's got to be stopped. We have got to stop this. The capitulation has been happening so quickly. Ever since this whole started, I've been getting all these emails from different companies, um, you know, people I buy clothes online with or, or, you know, I've used Uber, which I've had an account for years and, and use a lot when we travel, and different companies, and they all have these PC, we're not racist mission statements that they're now putting out. And it's kind of like I told a couple of them, I'm not a racist either, but I didn't need this horrible killing up there in Minneapolis no. to point that out to me. It's kind of more how I've lived my life and what's wrong with you? Well, and and this whole thing about, about black people and their uh, ancestors being slaves, uh, my history teacher at A&M University, Mr. Treat, explained the pre- and post-Civil War period of time. And he explained it in a way that you don't hear it now. But he explained the fact that at that period of time, a good black slave was worth $2,000. An Irishman from New York was worth nothing. They wouldn't give him a place to live or, or a job. An American Indian was forced marched across the prairie and killed him. A Chinese coolie, it was cheaper to kill him than it was to pay him. Uh, evidenced by the fact that in Thompson Falls, Montana, there's a railroad tunnel up there where the old folks say they herded 250 coolies into that tunnel and blew it up. You know, evidence of what Mr. Treat was saying. So anyway, Mr. Treat asked the question, what would you rather have been? So it's a fair question. I'm just saying, uh, you and I haven't owned slaves in our lifetime. Our parents didn't own slaves. <coughs> and we have passed the... Uh, affirmative action programs and all of the programs that uh, give minorities benefits that the rest of us don't have, well, when are we going to stop all this free giveaway? And let's understand that... Well, especially when it doesn't seem to have helped. Well, and understand the only power that a politician has is the power to spend money. Okay, he's got to get the money first. That's called a $1,000 fine for not wearing a mask or, you know, some other kind of idiot regulation like that. So, but when are we Judeo-Christian, freedom-loving, patriotic Americans, 
when are we going to stand up in the middle of the street and say enough is enough? Whoa. And it's getting to the point to where that needs that needs to start happening. It's, and I'm not sure what, if it's an organized thing or what. I mean, people, in the same way that, I, I mean, I, I have a file that I, I put articles in and it's called Corporate Cowards because I'm, you know, collecting information about different companies and what they've done. But too often we as individuals, I think, are having a bit of a go-along-to-get-along type thing, and I think the time for that now needs to be over, and it doesn't mean we need to go take bullhorns and get in people's faces and, you know, say, we're not going to take it, but at the same time, I do think there needs to be a degree of speaking out, and of course, the other thing, too, is that we have to get ourselves registered to vote if you're not, and get yourself to the polls every chance you've got. Well, we have to take whatever measure is necessary to stop what's happening to America. And I <clears throat> I don't advocate violence. I don't advocate anything. I'm just saying this has got to be stopped. This has gone far enough. If it continues to go in the direction it's going in, we're going to lose this country called the Republic of America. And once you lose it, you'll never get it back, folks. And I think we have to remember that so many times as people on the right from the conservative side of things, we're always so quick to say, and government's not the answer. Well, guess what? Government's not the answer this time either. Yes, there may be some times when government does need to send in the National Guard and isolated cases and and take some certain actions, but we as individuals need to also be on the sharp, sharp sharp-eyed lookout. What can we do to impact if only our sphere of people with whom we come in contact with? Well, they had a, <clears throat> a movement in Post Falls, Idaho recently. Uh, my friend Ed uh, told the story. <clears throat> Antifa was going to, uh, I guess, burn down Post Falls, Idaho. Well, they showed up with six little minivans with uh, Molotov cocktails, etc. But when they got there, there was a group called the Brotherhood. I forgot now what, but anyway, Ed said he'd never seen so many AR-15s in his life. Well, when the Antifa group saw that, they decided to go home. So we're going to have to see more of that. And there was no violence. There didn't have to be any violence. And that's the wonderful part about it, yeah. Yeah, it's called preventive measure. Right. Not, uh, but if we don't use the preventive measures, what comes next? Yeah, well, and you know, there was that group of, of men in Philadelphia, I think it was, that went and stood outside the Target in their neighborhood. And they all had their ARs or, you know, their their long guns of different types with them. And we're standing there, not looking to intimidate people, not looking to get in rows. It was just, you're not coming in our Target. And then I remember the media was like, oh, well, they were acting like it was a party. They were all talking and joking and this and that. And it's like, well, I mean... What, what do you expect? They're standing there for hours on end. And so, you know, just it's like that's really that's really where you're with all this situation. That's what you're going to say. A few of them were smiling and laughing like they were having a good time. Well, I don't know. You know, I'd kind of be having a good time thinking, gosh, isn't it nice? We're going to have this target so that I can come here and buy, you know, 
toys to play with my kids in the pool. Well, and if you think uh, the Black Lives Matter is a bunch of people who want to have a prayer meeting, you better think again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll never forget the situation in Oklahoma last year when three uh, teenagers kicked in a, a family's front door and they were armed with butcher knives and brass knuckles. Well, the 19-year-old son had an AR-15. He shot and killed all three of them. Now, <clears throat> some people don't agree with that, but what's the alternative? The alternative is him to sit there in the living room and watch his parents uh, sliced up and, and murdered and massacred. Well, some it, you have to stand up and be counted in front of violence. I'm, I'm, th I'm thinking of the... Uh, and it doesn't necessarily require a return of the violence. No, it sometimes doesn't. just the the show of force is enough to dissuade because these people they're not they're not the profiles in courage that they want to think they are. They're a frenzied mob, and a lot of them are very cowardly. On individually, they'd probably you know fold in a heartbeat. Well, you know Walter Misher wrote a book called Texas. And he stated in the book that Texans brag a lot, but Texans have a lot to brag about. You know, like the Alamo, Goliad, things like that. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. But one story that circulated in, in Texas all of my life is the story of one riot, one ranger. And to those in Texas, they know what I'm referring to. But uh, <clears throat> are we going to see that become necessary? And I, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm just saying we have got to stop this. Now, is it going to take the White Lives Matter movement? Uh, I don't know. And I don't, and I hope not because I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be black against white because frankly, and it's like Robert Johnson, he, I'm not sure who he made some of his initial comments on that have been shown on all the shows here the last couple of days. Uh, Robert Johnson, first black billionaire, yeah. CEO of, of BET, Black Entertainment Television. And he was like, you think all black people are cheering those people on? And it's like, no, of course not. And you know that target those guys were standing out, they just they weren't protecting just a building. They weren't protecting just that store's inventory. They were protecting jobs. Yes. And yes. that target probably I mean, I bet you a target has a hundred employees and 
those people were going to have a job to be able to go back to. And they were protecting the community that they live in. Yeah, and you think that the people that, yeah, that live there in the community that need that target in order to live, those people that probably depend on it for their groceries. Well, see, protecting the community you live in is just a small fraction of protecting the country we live in. It's the same protection, and we have to be willing to do that if we want to continue to enjoy the freedom in this country, we have got to stop this stuff, folks. Uh, and I, you know, don't misunderstand me. I do not advocate violence. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that it's going to come to that whether you want it or not if we don't stop this movement. And I think, too, that we need to realize that while Black Lives Matter and Antifa, I mean, let's face it, they're largely a white organization, you know, but as much as you can see past those masks, <laughs> again, profiles encourage. But this isn't, our response should not be from a racial standpoint. Yeah, it's a little disconcerting when you hear some of this Black Lives Matter rhetoric that they want to come after white people. But at the same time, we got to realize, and everybody needs to realize, when you're in that black neighborhood and they start looting, there's plenty black business owners that have seen their lives, their livelihoods destroyed, their places of employment destroyed. And they're, they, they're like Robert Johnson said, they're not happy about this. Hispanics, everybody is well, that believes in law and order, that believes in public safety. And racism is not just a white problem. I'll, I'll challenge anybody. Go to South Chicago as a white person, put on a nice suit of clothes and walk down through South Chicago about 10 o'clock at night. Let's let's see how long you survive doing that. Well, ask uh, the Asian community how how racism plays up at Harvard when they're trying to get in, and they're the ones that make all the grades and actually have the merit scores deserving to get in, but now they're being discriminated against by universities because they want to let in other non-Asian people who don't have the same qualifications. Well, it's called affirmative action, and I'm, I'm just saying people don't realize the harm that affirmative action has done to our society in the name of curing racism. Well, it's been reverse prejudice. discrimination. They're creating prejudice, trying to cure prejudice. Well, we're backing up, folks. Uh, but all we have to do is just wake up and pay attention and use the brain that God gave you and you know, use it logically and rationally and apply just a little bit of common sense to it and the answer is there if we will just allow our brain to think about what the answer is. And the answer is we've got to stop this, and we've got to stop it now. I agree, and I think that's a good place to kind of break um, with this segment. And then we're going to come back and do one more quick segment, which I have my own question for Khan. In uh -oh. that, you know, it's kind of interesting because Khan always has his questions. So now we're <laughs> going to turn the tables a little bit. But... We watched with the virus, and people in large urban areas have definitely been harder hit by that, and part of where you attribute that is the um, pronounced use of mass transit as well as people just having so, you know, compressed living quarters. And 
you're finding that people now are kind of rethinking, do I want to be there? If they weren't rethinking it after the virus, now we've had all of this rioting and looting and things, and there's certainly been levels of destruction. There's been increases of crimes in those areas, like New York City is seeing a huge crime spike. And, you know, of, of crimes like on the street, people being mugged again, all those kinds of things that really have not been happening regularly in New York. And, and so what, these people, we're seeing a mass exodus. And what's doing the most damage to our country, the coronavirus or the Black Lives Matter? Wh which one is burning down buildings and looting stores? Right. Think about that. So anyway, we're going to talk about that because what we're seeing is basically kind of an urban exodus in, in some areas. And we're going, to, we're going to take that up just for a few minutes here when we come back. So this is Political Pursuits. Today, the panel, Lou Ann Anderson, Con Tatum with Common Sense for Con. We hope you'll stick with us and we will be right back. <laughs> There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters Political Pursuits, the panel. Today, your host, Lou Ann Anderson and Con Tatum of Common Sense with Con, here talking about all this craziness that's going on in the world. Just wanted to real quickly remind you, too, that obviously, if you're listening to this, you found us somewhere on the internet, but Political Pursuits, the podcast, is available on most popular platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, Castbox, and D G Deezer. Sorry, that's Deezer with a D. Also, we've got a Facebook page, and I will be posting a lot of the articles that we've referenced today up on that. That's at Political Peace Suits. I hope you'll take a look at it, like us, and also we're on Twitter at Political Peace Suits as well. You can email me, politicalpursuitspod at gmail.com. So, anyway, as I was saying before the break, I have a question for Khan. Uh-oh. And that is, we are seeing, due to the pandemic, due to now all of this rioting, there's a lot of people who are rethinking about living in urban-type areas. I'm sure they also are thinking more about living in urban-type areas, as a lot of these liberal city governments are starting to try and funnel people into even more compressed living, and they're doing things like all but outlawing single-family dwellings they're advocating more uh, city planning type type um, environments where you have multifamily dwellings I even read an article earlier today where as we're seeing so many malls shut down in urban areas that a lot of malls are being reconfigured 
for mixed use developments that are retail as well as as well as as housing as well as residential and I can even give you an example IKEA closed down what seemed like a perfectly wonderful store in Burbank California several years ago built a brand new one that's huge compared to any, any IKEA I've even been in here in Texas and the old facility is being turned into a mixed use retail and residential type space but people are now rethinking that and as they rethink that we could be seeing them come to smaller cities like where you know we are here in Temple Texas or you live out more in a rural area we may start seeing them a little bit more out there with this new type of migration how do you think it's going to come together if we start having a melding of people from these urban areas into more rural type areas well let me answer your question by referring to a statement made uh, uh, back before I came along it was like uh, several thousand years ago the the scripture in the Bible I can't tell you where it's at but it, at any rate what it says is woe be unto those who one who live one on top of another now that was said thousands and thousands of years ago it's in the Bible so uh, that kind of answers the question because when you have people stacked one on top of another disease spreads faster uh, uh, you have more uh, racial problems uh, crime problems all kind of domestic problems. domestic domestic issues. Problems. yeah you know yes. between a husband and wife you know or with children Sometimes having another room to walk into or being able to walk out into a backyard or walk out just in your pasture or whatever can provide a very helpful cooling off time that people in these areas don't necessarily have, especially now during this pandemic this, and when riots are going on. Well, for example, in my life, uh, I lead a pretty hectic life every day. But I can go home and, and feed them old cows and walk up and pet a calf behind the ears or uh, rub one down. And, and uh, my blood pressure goes from about 9,000 down to about 160, you know. So, uh, and people living in cities in an apartment project that's 40 stories tall, they can't do that. Exactly. But exactly. Another, another problem you're going to see is, uh, and I refer to this too much, I guess, but I saw an expert on EMP make the statement that if EMP hit the electrical grid in the United States, and it could come from the sun or it could come from a, a satellite from red China, but if it hit the electrical grid in the United States, 90% of the people would die the first year. And you think that's an exaggeration, but, but it's really not. Because if you didn't have cell phones, electricity, water, etc., what would you do? How many people today would know how to go out and kill a squirrel? And if they killed the squirrel, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Right. You know, they would starve to death in the streets. Uh, so I am very, very thankful that I have been privileged to live in the country. But in answer to your question, if that happens, we're going to see trouble like you cannot believe. Because people in the country, rural people, they think different to city people their whole mentality is just different and i i don't i don't see that ending well but but you're right as more people in the cities discover what's happening to our country they're going to want to flee to the rural areas 
Oh, I mean, and we were already seeing it um, in the Northeast and Midwest. They lost population in the last four years. New York City has 132,000 people. Chicago, 30,400. Baltimore, 29,000. St. Louis, 15,400. And... Again, those are just the cities themselves. Those aren't the metro areas because I'm sure that there are people in some of those suburbs because in those kinds of areas, the suburbs are giant as well. And you're seeing that AEI had a recent study that says over the last four weeks, home purchases in non-urban areas have increased by a third more than in urban areas compared to the same period last year. Well, and ask yourself, why on earth would you want to live in New York City where vastly more regulation, vastly higher taxes, uh, vastly more crime? I mean, why would why would anybody want to live there? Uh, I don't know, but I ain't one of them. Well, and meanwhile, Miami, Orlando, Atlanta, and Dallas, which this article is a couple of weeks old, they said they coincidentally have not had a big variation in population because they, at the point of this writing, had had fewer violent protests. I don't think Atlanta maybe is going to yeah. be making that <laughs> list here for the future. But no, I mean, it's just people, and people are finding, to your point, people are finding that progressive governance just makes life, daily life, more chaotic and stressful and... Those who understand it enough to know that unless you had a major change in your entire outlook within a city, you know, city governance, that it's not going to change. And if you have no hope that it's really going to change as people who I know, friends that have left California. Well, but look at California and New York, places like that. Uh, All politicians tend to want to pass feel good legislation without understanding the consequences, but that is much worse in big cities than it is in out here in the country because the country people are a little bit closer to their uh, elected representative, and they're more apt to say, hey, cat, wait just a minute. We can't do that here. You're more uh, likely to see them in line at the grocery store. Yeah, and, and two, I think country people just, well, I think they just have a little bit more common sense and a little bit better grip on reality. Well, certainly there is a a stronger um, strain of self-reliance. Yes. That, and I mean, in that self-reliance, it it makes you, it shapes everything you do, everything in life, your whole approach to it. Now, I've always laughed. I'm a city girl. I will admit that. And, you know, it's kind of like my white privilege. I'm not apologizing for it. It's just a statement of fact. But I also have laughed, and I've laughed, I've made this joke for years, that I think in a past life I was with General Washington at Valley Forge. And that winter was a bear. Yes. We were hungry. We were cold. We didn't have anything to wear. We didn't have anything to eat. Firewood was even at a premium sometimes. And I said, never again. And because of that, all these hundreds of years later, you don't come into my house, and if you go look in my pantry and other places that I have, there may be 60 cans of soup in there. And I may not be out there hunting down that squirrel, but by God, the power goes out, 
We've got plenty of manual can openers. I got plenty of canned goods. So I can keep myself alive for a while, at least until I come out and find you and you teach me how to handle that squirrel. There you go. Well, and, and compare your situation to those people in Venezuela. They have already eaten all the animals in the zoo, and now they're eating their pet dogs and cats. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, and there are Which people. Which, as you say that, mine all of a sudden are extremely quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, compare that situation to what we have here in America. We haven't eaten our dogs and cats yet, but there are people that want to convert us to the same socialism that they have in Venezuela. You know, and they're mm-hmm. the same people burning down our cities and our. You know, what does. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. libertytabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now, only at BJ's. They use for brains. You know, is, is insanity contagious? Well, and I will say that walking through the grocery store a few times as the whole pandemic thing was happening and going in there and seeing some of those shelves being as bare as they were, seeing pictures that people would post places of grocery stores, shelves and aisles and, you know, not being able to find things. There were times it just kind of caused me some distress even knowing that for a foreseeable time we're in we're in pretty good shape but that it it caused distress and i wondered should we go out there and dig up a piece of prop you know a piece of our yard and start planting something well, i mean if it if it cultivates you know i don't want to use the word cultivate when we're talking about a garden if it prompts people looking to be thinking that way a little more self-reliantly. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I would also hope that the people that are coming from these mass areas, these large urban areas, I would hope that they too might come with this mindset, hmm, how can we make sure we can take care of ourselves? But to show you how close we are to that situation you're talking about, I read years ago that there is never more than a 48-hour supply of food in any big city. Just in Houston, time. Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, wherever. Just in time. That's what it's called in, in the logistics. Yeah, Just you think in time about delivery. 48 hours is going to go by really, really quick. We, we've seen it. Uh, so whatever you got at your in your pantry out here is what you're going to have to eat or else you're going to do without. Right. Right. And, or unless you hit it at just the right place, right time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot to think about. And as harrowing as the last weeks have been and 
God knows. He knows the only one who knows what's ahead of us here. I do hope there is a silver lining that comes out of this, that people, whether you live in an urban area or a suburban or a rural area, do maybe take from this the need for that personal responsibility, that self-reliance, that self-sufficiency. That once was part of the American persona. But the only way there will be a silver lining into this situation is if we, freedom-loving, liberty-loving, Christian Americans, wake up to what's going on and stop it. And, I mean, we don't have very long to think about this, folks. This is getting serious real quick. And I asked a question when Barack Obama was running for office. He said, I want to fundamentally change America. I asked then, and I will continue to ask it, change it to what? Maybe that's what we're seeing. What do you want to change it to? We've got the greatest country in the history of the world, and you want to change it to what? I'm afraid that's what we're seeing right now. We are. Yeah. And, but so many of us are just sitting by watching TV and letting this happen. You know, now I'm, I'm not advocating going to the street with a, with a Molotov cocktail, but I'm just saying we had better go to the street and stop that guy with a Molotov cocktail. Well, we start with our voices. Yes. We yes. start with our voices because that's one of the things in the capitulation. Silence is acceptance. And yes. so we've got to start feeling more, uh, you know, that we, we speak out as it is. Some of these polls, some days I watch these polls and watch Biden's 10 points ahead of Trump, and it's like, oh, my God, how, how could that? They must, be, they must be out pulling plants or something. I don't Because thinking people, I can't imagine that. But people have been so berated for expressing not even just support of the president, but just, you know what, I'm not contemptuous of him. And that's enough to... And, and we need to start... At the family level, families need to talk to their children and grandchildren and put a little common sense into them. I will never forget one of the riots that happened several years ago. There was a, a bunch of black teenagers out there, and I guess they were burning down the town or whatever, but it was, you saw it on TV, this uh, middle-aged black mother came out there and grabbed her 15-year-old, I'm assuming 15-year-old son. She got him by the nap of the neck, slapped him about twice, and marched him over there and put him in that car and got him back home. Now, we need more parents like that black mother. That's right. Or when, the people that, that their kid, it was, a, it was a white kid that was busted. Um, he, was, he was spotted in some of the, vo the video doing some looting or vandalism or something. He went home. His parents had seen the video and recognized their kid. They marched him down to the police station. And, and that we need more parents that will take that responsibility. You know, you were parent enough to have those kids. Uh, when did you quit? And that's what I was saying earlier about you and I can't, we can't stop riding in Minneapolis for all practical purposes. What we can't do anything with that. New York, some of these places... We have to look in our own world, and our yes. own lives, and our own community. Our own backyard. What we can see, what we can do. And that's where that mother you were talking about, and I do remember that case. And that kid probably was about 15 because he was a big kid. Yeah. And, I mean, he was he was about the size of his mother. And, I mean, her getting him by the neck, yeah, I mean, she, 
she had she, a handful she, of kid there. She jerked him around. And, yeah. You know. And, and you know, kudos to her. Kudos to the couple in, in Philadelphia who marched their kid into the police department. That's the kind of what I'm talking about. Our and, sphere of influence that we can make a difference. And kudos to Dr. Ben Carson's mother. Yes. Uh, you know, a third grade educated single mother. Look at what she produced. And I'm saying she uh, she produced that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, if she can produce a Ben Carson what can Joe Smuckbinder and his wife do right over here with a 12-year-old young man or young lady, whatever, if they're not too lazy to get off their duff right. and, and tend to their kids and teach them something? Have a, a family home evening with your family, uh, whether it's kids or grandkids, whatever, and let's talk a little common sense. Let's talk a little politics or whatever it takes, but let's, uh, let's educate our young people. Well, and I've heard a number of different prominent black politicians and business people and stuff. Burgess Owens is one who brings this up. I think Robert Woodson has brought this up several times about the problem in the black community with there being so many fatherless homes. However, and I mean, it absolutely is a problem there, but we see the same thing in every other community too often that it's there are fatherless homes. But on the other hand, to your point about Mrs. Carson and other people, just because you're growing up in a single parent home does not, it's not a guaranteed outcome because there are plenty, plenty of wonderful examples of people who, as Dr. Phil would say, they rose above their raisin. Yes, yes. And so, again, you know, I don't like all the, the touchy-feely social programs, but if there were some way to harness some of those women who have said, I'm not going to raise victims. I'm going to raise strong children who are going to go out in the world and do something, even, you know, <coughs> so their lives are better than mine. Um, you know, that would be a program that I would say, boy, if there's a way they could mentor some people. Well, and, and not just your own family. Uh, <clears throat> I was, uh, my folks divorced when I was six, and my mother moved back to a, a very small town. And uh, after school, I'd go downtown. I was one of the only teenagers in town or kids. But them old men were sitting on a nail keg playing dominoes or whatever. They'd say, Conjay, you want to work? I said, yes, sir. Well, they would work me pulling corn or picking cotton or taking care of their kittens they didn't want or whatever it was and give me 50 cents. But I am so thankful for those hard-nosed old men that came through the Depression and World War II, and they were hard old men. But they taught me something, and I am eternally grateful to what those old men taught me when I was, 10 years old so my point of that story is your obligation doesn't stop with your family right. if you have a next door neighbor that's uh 15 years old and you got some work to do in the backyard get him out there and teach him how to work well and what's funny is because you, you you describe them as hard-nosed men and coming from a german family i understand you know what about, i'm talking about yeah exactly <laughs> but hard-nosed as they were 
they actually were showing you lessons of love. Yes. Because yes. they were helping to build your character. They were helping to make you into a man who was going to know how to take care of himself in life, which perhaps without, a, you know, a father's influence on a regular basis, you wouldn't have had. And your path could have taken a lot of different turns. So, yes, I mean, those kinds of things. That's a great story, a wonderful story. Well, and it's true. Uh, and, and it goes on. Later on in life, I was a 17, 18-year-old teenager, and I got a chance to go to work at Modern Welding Company in Houston because I had been to welding in school. And uh, I did very, very well in, in that job because I knew how to work. You know, the, the typical city teenager, they can't work. They don't know how to work. Mr. I was raised to work, and I made them a hand, and they paid me very, very well for it. Uh, I was doing very well when I was 18 years old. Yes. No, and that, that, that work ethic is something, and it's definitely something yeah. you don't see now. I do like to think that John and I have always had irons in the fire doing things. And, I mean, before our daughter was born, we constantly were working mod jobs, making extra money so that we could afford a VCR or all these, you know, things that just weren't going to be in the budget when we were a couple starting out. And so that would be some of our fun money to buy things. But even after she was born and economically things were a little better, um, and we just always had, had projects and things going on. She always had some degree of part-time jobs. My sister had a store in Waco, and Christmas time, she was over there helping wrap packages. And but, and but what are we seeing today in this country? We're seeing the work ethic, traditional values, Christian values. We're seeing that all being destroyed. And what I and my, what my my point on that would be, if you've got a young kid and you can instill those values. It is something that is appreciated in today's workforce. You better and believe it. It is something that when people see that, oh, you know, and I mean, and I always would, would tell, tell my daughter, you know, a lot of these things aren't something you put on a resume, but if you can work them into conversation, do it. Because if that can help make you a little more desirable than the other three or four people they're interviewing, 30 or 40 people, whatever it is. And then once you get in and you demonstrate your ability to be that way, oh, you can become golden. Well, and something I have started doing, uh, I guess I'm kind of different, but if a teenager holds the door open for me to go in a restaurant or go in Walmart, I very, in fact, I did it this morning. I stop and ask the young person, would you do me a favor? And they say, yes or what? I say, I want you to go home and thank your mother and daddy for teaching you some manners. Yes. I, I do that pretty often. Manners count. But you need to recognize good traits in young people and encourage them to continue that good trait. Uh, and, and that's one of the things with all of the turmoil and chaos we've got going now and so much bad behavior. I guess that's one more thing as we talk about what can we do in our sphere of influence to try and help us navigate through this chaos without the country being burned down 
maybe that's one of the things to your point when you have bad behavior what are you going to get more bad behavior well so when we see positive behavior that's something that any of us can do is to reinforce that positive behavior so that again hopefully we're encouraging to get more of it because god only knows this country needs it yes it does and if we don't recognize good behavior and punish bad behavior i know i sound like a broke record but but it's it's an honest question statement where are we going if we don't yes if we don't recognize and continue good behavior and if we don't punish bad behavior where's our country going well and i think that a lot of these these cities that are run by progressives are going to provide us some very painful but stark examples of that exact path and those same people when they move out of these big cities up north and they move down to texas or new mexico or wherever those children out of those families they're going to have a sad awakening because things don't happen in texas like it happens in new york and uh there's still a few people like me that believe in old traditional values i am very very strong on old traditional values and that's something i wish the president some terminology that i wish he would use as we move more and more toward the campaign is or the the election is preserving traditional american values preserving the traditional american way of life does that mean we have to go and hate people who aren't just like us absolutely not i think that american way of life can be a big accepting tent but let's accept that maybe some of our times have changed and there's some things that have come along that are different but that doesn't mean we have to throw away everything that we've held valuable near and dear for several centuries well let's set the example for them let's don't use their example let's don't follow their culture let's teach them about our culture because our culture is the best in the world you know when are we going to recognize what we have in this country it is second to none right so why do we want to abandon this number one and go to a number six or eight or ten or whatever it is in other countries not me i like what i've got here well i think we've all got our homework then as we bring this segment to a close and our homework is to go out and set an example for what we want america to be yes and you know let me just say that uh we do not say anything here to offend anyone we we try real hard not to but sometimes we the population we just can't handle the truth sometimes the truth hurts but we have to recognize the truth and lust do not sacrifice truth at the altar of political correctness i would agree absolutely and with that i think we're going to call this one quits for today next week we'll be here and i imagine the conversation will keep rolling so this is Lou Ann anderson and this is con so until next week y'all uh, just hang in there everything's gonna be all right yep. we just got to keep trying stay smart stay safe and america's days are best to come
Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.